Podcast One Production. Welcome to Brand New World, a podcast series designed for marketers. Hi, I'm Russell Howcroft, Chief Creative Officer at PwC Australia, and I, along with Southern Cross Stereo, have a passion for building brands and businesses. The COVID-19 global pandemic has created insane disruption across the world, none more so than in the marketing industry. We're being forced to find new ways to build brands and communicate to our customers as their behaviour changes to adapt to what we're calling the new normal. This podcast series will help you find opportunity amongst the chaos. Throughout the series, we'll talk to experts in the industry about how they're adapting to a brand new world. As the host, my role will be to tease out the insights, creativity and lessons that will help us all get through this together and most importantly, keep your brand and business in good stead for the future. The good news is we're not all screwed. There is opportunity. In this episode, we will discuss building a brand from scratch and making it a global sensation. Our guest today is Zoe Foster-Blake, a woman of multitude of talents. Zoe began her career as a writer, contributing to such influential titles as Cosmopolitan and Harper's Bazaar. Zoe is also an author, has written a dozen books, including the hugely successful children's picture book accurately titled (laughs) No One Likes a Fart. Her most recent endeavour is founder and creator of clean, cruelty-free Australian skincare line GoTo. And as far as building brands goes, I don't think we could have a more accomplished guest it's so nice to see you, Zoe. It's good to be here, Russ. <laughs> God, you are unbelievable. Like, prolific. I just want to, where does this come from? Like, is it really a dozen books? Um, it will be at the end of this year. And what's the dozenth? It's another picture book. Yeah, so yeah. tell us about that. I don't know if I'm allowed, but... Um... <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about it then. <laughs> well, it's, it's a picture it's book. It's a picture book. Right. And it's a, a subversion of a very common um, nightly routine with parents and children. Cute. And we sort, I sort of made it up with my, my son and he yeah. laughed hysterically. So I'm like, all right, this could, have, this could have legs. So what constitutes a good number of book sales in the Australian market? I always have to ask my agent that because I don't know and it's heavily reliant on context, but they've told me that No One Likes a Fart has surpassed like 110,000 copies, which I believe is very good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know that that's a lot because I need to talk about myself here for a minute. Please do. I had a bestseller for a little period, 10,000. That's generally (laughs) what they say in Australia because of the size of our market. But I think it's so offensive that I've written all these other books and the one about a fart far surpassed them in every way. Yes, but herein lies your cleverness, though, Zoe, isn't it? Because (laughs) it's hard not to, at the very least, look at a book in the bookstore or on the app store or online that's got the word fart in the cover. So I think (laughs) you're pretty smart, right? You're very... So for me, it's about the structure of words. So I, I think this does come down to the fact that you're first and foremost, a writer. Is that fair for me to Absolutely, say? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So tell us about your passion for writing. Well, it's it's through everything. And I've said before that I think that I might have started a brand um, just to be able to write more and be the Don Draper that I always secretly wished yeah, I could great. be. Yeah, <laughs> great. Like I wanted to be a copywriter, but I wanted to do it on my terms. So yeah. why not start a brand? And have you ever done copywriting in the agency sense? So, no. 
So magazines. Yes. So in the magazine world, it, that, that's different, but you still have to be provocative in your writing to get the reader. Definitely, yeah? especially with cover lines and things like that. Yeah. And beauty, to my mind, was always the most boring part of the book. Like it was, I wouldn't even read it myself. So to come in there and have a chance to go, all right, I'm going to try and get women to stop and actually read these pages was a great challenge. I like being in a boring framework to try and make something zing. Fantastic. So tell us, can you remember like your favourite headlines? There were, back then, you know, this is 2005, six. it was always the sort of inversion of what you'd expect, like the best fake tanning you've never tried or <laughs> yep. everything you know about blackheads is wrong. And that was the time of flipping things, yeah. I guess. And that sort of colloquial tone was new in beauty back then. Right. And that's when I started blogging as well. So it always felt very conversational to me. Now everyone does it. This sort of best friend tone is everywhere. Yeah. So what's next then in terms of tone? I never can answer that question, but what I do know is that when I see a lot of other brands sounding similar to GoTo, for example, we have to go again. We have to refresh. Right. We have to get yeah. rid of all the words we were using and try and evolve a little bit more. We'll get to GoTo in a little while. I want to talk to you a bit more, though, about books. Yes. Break Up Boss. Yes. Now, again, a great headline. It's got rhythm. There's something about rhythm, I think, in marketing. Yeah. Rhythm in advertising, the rhythm of words, break up boss. That's turned into an app as well. Yes. So tell I'm, us about that idea and then the selling of that idea. Came up with the idea in 2010 and sold the rights to my publisher, Penguin, and then they didn't do anything with them, so I bought them back. <laughs> and then I sat on them for like five, six years because I just didn't have the time or I feel like with the book, sometimes the inspiration hits and you have to do it then. Then I decided to do an app, not a book, because I felt when you're in a breakup zone, you're in your phone, you live in your phone, everything good and bad happens in there. You're stalking in there, you're going through memories in there, you're waiting for them to text. And so I thought, if you're going to be the tough love coach, you have to be where they are. Right. Don't make them come to you in a book. Yeah. So the app was first, actually, um, and it was dynamic. So you could choose how you were feeling and go through that. And I tried to use the app medium as much as I could. Then Penguin was like, can we make the book out of it? And I said, yeah, because I think it's a great gift. Because I think that breakups are such an important time in people's lives. It's a real tea. If you go back classically and look at the breakups, your life went in a different direction. And I didn't think there was anything existing there that was really just about breakups. Because I'd written relationship books before and the breakups were always what the girls wanted to know more about. So I wanted to just cater to that moment in time. And I'm about to do the audiobook actually as well because it's my probably my favourite project. So do you think about the market? So when you're writing The Wrong Girl or writing, is it The Younger Man or, <laughs> you know, you're writing textbook romance, <laughs> do you think about the market? Are you writing specifically for an audience or are you writing for yourself and believing that if, you know, Kevin Costa build it and they will come? What's your thinking? I always say that it's a selfish way to work because I write for me, but often old me. So it's the book I wish I had when I was 18 mm -hmm. or the book I wish existed when I was 23. And I've been through a like, crisis in bunny years in my life and I wish that I had that useful item to help me through it. And I know there are young women out there because I, they talk to me a lot and so I know what they need without sounding obnoxious yeah. and I feel like I can help them there. So for me, it's I believe that there's a need for it. I won't do it unless I think there's a need. Mm. So if that's market, maybe. Yeah. But it's the, there's no, I don't think of a girl or a demo in there. I just think of what I would have used. Well, you know, the classic definition of marketing, marketing Zoe, is meeting needs and wants. Yeah, yeah? that's so what I do. that's what you do. Yeah. So tell me about social media. This has been pretty good for you. 
Yeah, it's a, been fun. A, as a platform for building business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I treat it. So it, it, you see that as first and foremost, it is your platform for advertising. It's a free billboard. So tell us your methodology. So there might be some some stuff here that people, you know, like if you don't mind, I think people would like to learn a bit sure. about what the methodology is. So if I may say the first thing, the first thing that I notice is you're a really good writer. Thanks, Russ. Right? <laughs> but it's fascinating because one of the things that's gone missing over the last 20, 25 years is the power of words. Mm. Perhaps it's not more complicated in the first instance of quality writing. Now, is this, I think it's probably instinctive for you, but or are you really thoughtful about every word that goes on that social media page? I really am. Yeah. Cripplingly so sometimes. First and foremost, I think Instagram is a visual medium. That's how it started. But I'm not a visual medium person. So the photo is a second, it's an afterthought. But the caption is a chance for me to stay sharp and be good and be concise, although I'm terrible at that. But I don't blog much anymore. I barely post on Instagram. So when I do it, it has to be good. And I'm also aware of my audience now. It's grown and I'm very conscious of all the different people who could be reading that in a way. So it's a significant audience for sure. Yeah. 790,000, I think. You know? uh, yeah, uh, 760, yes. <laughs> Seven, let's call it on its way to 800. <laughs> so what do you know about that 800? So do you, 800,000, do you analyse that 800,000? Have you got a thorough no. understanding? No, and I don't care and I don't really look into it. And sometimes I can only go off from feedback because it's only the people who talk to me that I know are there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's there if they're not talking to me. So I kind of go from comments and DMs and I try and stay upbeat and my tone is always light and never inflammatory and I'm not trying to polarise or get too political, I think they come to me for a reason and that's for the light, not the shade. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's kind of my MO and it's kind of my husband's MO and that's sort of what we do is is try and keep things fun. Yeah. So the old ad guy here talking to you yep. says and has said for a long time, it's not possible to build a brand off the back of social media. Well, <laughs> well, yes and no. Yeah, yes and no, maybe. What's Kylie Jenner say about that? Yeah, <laughs> I realise that I've I realise I'm wrong. Oh, I realise I'm wrong. It happens. Yeah, it happens, <laughs> but I think it happens rarely. Yeah, so I, I think there's <laughs> that you're wrong. Or <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a there's a great skill in being able to do it for sure. So. You know, if you've got 5,000 followers and you want to, you know, launch a product, product X or a service, I think that that's more difficult. Mm. So it's a little bit chicken and egg, isn't it? So mm. what does come first and how you accelerate it? But then in, I suppose my question is, how have you industrialised it? Well, I think I came to Instagram late, relatively speaking, which was about 2013, which feels like a long time ago now. But back then I felt like I was last to it. I was happy on Twitter. Yeah. Um, never on Twitter anymore. No. But <laughs> I like reading it. I just don't. It's a bit put scary. <laughs> it can be a bit angry. It's like, yes. oh my God, this is too scary what goes on here. <laughs> yes. And there's more accountability and there's a face and a name on uh, Instagram, which I think keeps it a bit safer and friendlier. But I, I came to Instagram with a bit of a profile already from writing in big mastheads for a few years and having a blog and a digital audience already. And I'd started a huge digital beauty platform. So I was very happy in digital. And I knew my girls were very savvy in there. Mm. So it didn't seem strange to 
to start building that audience pretty quickly because I'd been talking to them already for a long time. GoTo was always its own account and I set the tone and trained the writers there, but I don't do it. And and there's this weird thing where we're like, don't write like Zoe, don't pretend to be Zoe, but the GoTo tone is obviously something that I developed yeah. so it's from my brain. But yeah, for me personally, I think one of the first things I say is don't try too hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just do good work. Yeah. And that, that runs through everything. GoTo has to work harder because we're selling things and we're marketing yeah. things and we're playing with our customers. But for me personally... I don't feel panicked to post all the time and keep fresh and worry about losing followers. Okay. It is what it is. So GoTo is, it's an incredible success story already. How long has it been going for, Zoe? Uh, six, it was its sixth birthday, but we're obviously developing it 18 months before that. So about yeah, eight years-ish. And why did you decide to get into skincare? I didn't. Um, it was a bit of serendipity. A fast fashion retailer asked me to do a makeup line after my makeup and beauty book, Amazing Face, came out. And we started going down the path and they were like, I was like, what are, what are we putting in these things and where are they being made? And they're like, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Just put your name on it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I've worked so hard to build up integrity and goodwill with my followers. I'm not going to give it to you to shit all over it. Yeah. Uh, and then a friend of mine who has her own skincare brand is like, why don't you do your own? And it hadn't occurred to me until that point, but I had, I think, what are some key tenants, which is an audience who trusted me. Uh, I had integrity, I think. I didn't align with many brands at all. I knew my stuff, having worked as a beauty editor for a long time, and I yep. thought the beauty industry was stale, dull, and overly earnest. So the name, the brand name, how did you develop that? It was organic in that I kept saying to my poor chemist, oh, it just needs to be their go-to moisturiser. It needs to be the one they rely on. It needs to be the foolproof one. They've got to go to that all the time. Because it's quite disruptive, really, isn't it? It's not, it's not your typical beauty brand name. No, not at all. No. But I so think when you ha- try too hard to come up with a brand name, you suck at it. Yeah, totally. It's very <laughs> difficult. It is, it is genuinely hard to do, it isn't is, it? Yeah. It is, Oh, my goodness me. I've been working on one for a year. Still haven't got there. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. But how did you know? Because in the end, you've got to say, that's the one. Yeah. Then you double down on it. You build a business around it and you've got to do that. Obviously, you're not going to be 100% confident, but you must have had some confidence. I found I was using it a lot to explain it to right. people. So my mum or my sister or my colleagues, I was like, oh, you know, it's girls' go-to skincare. It has to be the one that they go to. Right. It has to be reliable. And so all of these keywords that I kept coming back to, it fit. And it was short and it looked good in typeface and yeah. just felt right. So you've used the social machine to build the thing, which, as I was saying earlier, <laughs> is that it's, that's a really tough thing to do. Is this planned? It's like, okay, we're going to build the go-to brand. We're going to use social media as the platform. Therefore, we are going to do... No. I'll stop you there. No. <laughs> we didn't have a business plan. I suspected plan. that was the answer. But, you <laughs> no. know, people want to know these people things. People want to know. And, and I'm a terrible business advisor in that sense because we didn't have a business plan. We still don't. I know that probably shits my team, but I can't look too far ahead. I very much believe in doing the work now doing the work today, that will take care of tomorrow. And so we focus on each new product, we focus on each post, we focus on each giveaway. Yeah. And I try and encourage my team to stay very present. Yeah. And I don't look at the competition and I don't worry about them, what they're doing. They could thwart us. It wouldn't have anything to do with us. You just do your good work. I just love it so much. <laughs> I mean, because there, there's no textbook associated with this, is there? So if no. I talk to you about reach, frequency... Wouldn't know. Penetration, uh, market segmentation. I know my marketing <laughs> director's brilliant. She would know all of that. <laughs> so you do have a marketing director? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the structure of GoTo then. 
Uh, Leslie Ernie, she's great. She came in about two years ago when I was still doing it all myself and we jumped the chasm and we went from a small startup to a medium-sized company about two years ago and mm-hmm. we got in a GM and we're at about 35 now. and 35 people? Yeah. That's impressive. It's a lot and they're great. And they're the best team and we have the best customers and I, I believe that. They are they care. I think you can hire for talent or you can train them and but they care. They want to be part of the brand. They believe in the products. They believe in all of it. And I, I, that's a responsibility that scares me sometimes because I'm yes. like that, retaining that. When you scale, you get stale and I want to stay fresh and fun and look after them. And through this whole COVID thing, that was our key tenant was to look after our people. There's something amazing about what you can do in the, let's call it the beauty industry. It's yeah. a it's a beautiful place for customer satisfaction yeah. and also the creation of business, powerful businesses. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's to do with perceived value. Yeah. Earlier we were talking about, before we were recording, you talk, you said perceived value to me. Yes. That is a very instinctive marketing, the notion of perceived value. So tell me about how you approach perceived value when it comes to go-to. Well, we, you know, I'm a fan of Seth Godin and the idea of people like us do things like this and building that community around what we see as valuable to us, what we perhaps just take a young woman, example, for example, in her 20s. She likes to buy a product that she feels is good quality and is going to actually do something, looks nice on her shelf and gives her some sort of social status in the digital back fence or in real life where she can say, I use GoTo, yeah, and that Mm. gives her a few points. Obviously, I put way more emphasis on the product efficacy, but I think for women, the perceived value of being part of the gang with GoTo is that it's we're nice girls, we're friendly girls, we're helpful girls, and we are... We don't suffer fools and we're not about bullshit. We're transparent and I think we're the, we're the good girls. We're, yes. You know, we're, we're, we're doing it right and um, it's kind. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That is true. I have my daughter, I asked her to bring um, two of her friends over last night and to, so I could have dinner with them and they could tell me all about <laughs> you. Oh, what, how old are they? Mid-20s. Yeah. And Sweet spot. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, and their passion for both yourself, but all, but the brand. Um, what they say, <laughs> well, just they just love it. They oh, absolutely please. just are totally engaged with it. And um, and I think you've got the price right. In the end, marketing is about price as well. So tell us about your pricing strategy. Well, having come, you know, I'd worked at Cosmo and Harper's, so I'd played around in supermarket brands right through to spa and selling a $900 La Prairie gold serums. And I felt that it felt started to become disingenuous for me to tell women to buy a $48 lipstick, knowing that most of them were university students reading it. And I know what ingredients actually work. You know, when it comes down to it, any beauty editor or writer knows that the actual ingredients are not what costs money. Yeah. <laughs> it's the marketing and the yeah. prestige of the product and yep. the brand. So for me, it was like, let's make this affordable. Let's get real and teach women that looking after your skin shouldn't cost the world because it really shouldn't. And I actually call bullshit on a lot of the marketing in the beauty industry, knowing myself personally what it costs to make these products. You can't ask women to spend $7 on it because they don't appreciate it and they don't respect it. So there's a sweet spot there. There's a sweet spot there. Yeah, and do you hit the sweet spot or do you go slightly... I always want to make it free. My team always yells at me. Like, it's like, we are a business, not yeah. a charity. We can't be doing this for free. <laughs> yeah. So I think about, you know, what I would have been happy to spend back in my 20s and I try and charge it around there. Right, okay. 
and what I think is realistic yeah. and what is the cost per wear, I guess, of using a daily product. That's a nice way to put it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's how I justify buying shoes that are way too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, divide them Just by like the me. amount of days. Yeah, wear them every day. <laughs> totally, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So tell us, okay, the pandemic. Yes. COVID. So you've got 35 passionate go-to employees, yeah. members, team members. Yeah, and then some casuals and, you know, friends. Right. And then we get hit with this time. Yeah. So we how, just come out of the fires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us about dealing with it. Tell us about dealing with it internally first. Well, I have brilliant management and that's as a, as a creative and as the founder, I think the first piece of advice I always say is find people who are good at things that you're not. And this is my team in Sydney because we're based in Sydney. So the first thing that they did was make sure that our staff in terms of their emotional and economical well-being and their health was catered to. So we got everyone working from home pretty early on in the yep. piece. Good for the creative introverts, not so great for the young social types, but they adjusted really well. Yeah. The whole marketing plan had to be binned. We had to start fresh. Yeah. We had to be very tone conscious, of course. But within a little while, I just, you know, we had to remember that people come to us for lightness and fun. And once we felt like things were a little bit calmer and safer, we started to get back to our normal. So back into the rhythm. Back into the rhythm, but still being, you know, in, bringing in the culture, yep. not just, I think if you stand on the top of a crate and start yelling about products, it's really insensitive and no one cares. Yeah. That said, skincare has boomed well, in this period. Well, there is the so-called lipstick index, of yeah. course. So tell us about the lipstick index. So that was Leonard Lauder um, after September 11 in the States where, and it's this idea of women turned to low-cost luxuries to get them econ through economic downturns. So just a little piece of luxury, uh, like a nice Chanel lipstick, would make them feel special even if they couldn't have any of their other indulgences. So we are definitely seeing that, but it's not lipstick this time because we're all stuck at home. So skincare has right. seen incredible growth. And this is, I think, for a few reasons. People are stuck at home. They've never had time to look after themselves and they are experimenting with new things or their skin has misbehaved and they want to fix it. But they've got time, right? you know? Yeah. And we, it arrives in the letterbox. It arrives in the letterbox. And I think for us, as a brand that had been direct-to-consumer, we only went into Mecca last year, we had five years of solid online trading and a really, right. we were really good at it. Yeah. We we're excellent at, at digital. And, 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 and I always say, yeah, yeah. And, and I always say what comes in the mail is our flagship store. It has to feel like the brand. So we put, you know, everything, the copy on the side, the copy on the packaging, the little treats, it has to feel like an experience so that you understand immediately who you're dealing with. So I think when all the retailers closed, people came straight back to us because they're like, I trust you guys. I know you're good at this. Let's do it. Fantastic, really. I mean, yeah. So new marketing tactics, have you thought of any or have come up with any or implemented any in the last couple of months? Um, we had our sixth birthday, which blew us apart. We had no idea. We just did a, we don't really do a lot of giveaways and we did a really big one. And I never think of freebies as like the thing that you should turn to. We don't discount. We, we give away stuff because it's fun. I always prefer to value add than discount. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of businesses out there suffering, so I don't want to sound a tone deaf or obnoxious here, but we have had to go the other way and we've had to consider warehousing, third-party warehousing and... We had to worry about the safety of our staff in the warehouse and we had to worry about supply and demand and, and shipping and all of those things to cater to this, everyone suddenly wanting 10 masks. I love it. Yeah, so we, uh, we're looking after those new customers and we've been making sure that they feel nurtured and they understand the brand and they feel, you know, education is a core 
pillar for us. So I've started doing videos, which I don't normally do, just to educate them about the products. And so, how, like how to use videos. How and, to use yeah. videos, which I generally don't do and like. <laughs> but they really want them and they work. Yeah, and, I, and I think that's been a key learning as well. Like you can use still images or models, but they want to hear from the founder and they want to hear from the team. So, yeah, for us, we just rely on our usual things, fun, education, trust, and making sure that they feel like they can turn to us for help. So last um, downturn, 2008, amazing businesses were created off the yeah. back of it. Tech and digital, basically, you know, yeah. global monsters yeah. were created off the back of it. Just give us some tips for, you know, the new entrepreneurs that are listening. They're thinking, geez, I really need to start. I mean, genuinely now is a really good time to yeah. be thinking about starting a new business. So just give us some basic tips, perhaps. Well, I think it's do your research. Like there are some brilliant minds out there telling you not about like, yes, we all know we're meant to disrupt and look for gaps, but in what way? Yeah. What's the new normal? How are people going to live and work? Um, if we're all working from home for an extended, maybe indefinite period, what does that mean for retail? What does that mean? What do people need? Think about needs. I, I just can't tell anything. I, I can't go any further than look for needs. Be useful or don't bother. Everything has to serve a purpose and anything that is trying to capitalise or feel opportunistic um, will fail. You can't, you shouldn't dupe people. You need to help them. Yeah. So just look for the gaps. And I always tell, I have a lot of young women who come to me and say, how can I get my business up? And and it's because they've, they're either blending two products or they've been using something that doesn't exist. And they're the ones, they're the things. And in terms of media, mm. so have you been thinking about using any other media? Well, we don't do classic advertising no. at GoTo. We have a different business model in the States. It's a very different market. But here we have just classically done digital. Mm. Um, it might be time to try something new. Maybe I can be Don Draper. <laughs> but well, yeah. That's I have a team. Right? <laughs> but my marketing director and, and our team are like, yeah, we're not going to stop now. We're going right. to go a bit harder. And- when I speak to my daughter and her mates, they're always talking about collaborations. Oh, yeah. Collabs. Collabs. Yeah. yeah. So is this part of your thing? We do it. I'm really strict on with who. Mm. Uh, it's got to be a brand that we aspire to or that we collectively help each other out. And do it's, they work? I think they do. Yeah. It's, it's hard because I'm not really, I mean, I do love a good collab, yeah. but I think I'm a bad customer in some senses because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to follow you just to win a competition and I'm going to get la, la, la. Our customers will happily do that. Right. <laughs> so how does, it, how does the economics of a collab work? Um, it's usually just giveaways. Yeah. Yeah. Or we will have a collaboration coming up where we make a thing with a, another brand who makes that thing specifically. Mm-hmm. And I like those. I think they're generous. We did actually a really good collaboration in the States with two other Aussie beauty brands and we called it the A Beauty Box. And I love that idea of mateship and there's enough pie for everybody yeah, and, right. and let's help each other out. Love that. There's enough pie for everybody. Absolutely true. Tell me, America, you say you're doing it, you're marketing differently there. So yeah. just They're a very influencer-driven market and yeah. we don't, we don't pay influencers in Australia. We're lucky enough to rely on good faith and good products. Uh, not saying that we never would, but for now we don't. But in the US, it's different and it works. Right. And it really does work. That's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and so we go for micro-influencers. Right, okay. So give us a bit more of a feel around that. So ten to 50,000 followers, very engaged, very good at content, very educational, which is our angle. They have a really engaged community who want to talk, ask questions, and they talk back. We're not looking for the big million dollar girls that sort of hold the product with 10 other products. So we choose- How do you find them? We have an agency in the US who work with talent. 
Yeah, so, so they will put influencer, them forward. Social influencer agency. Exactly. But what our team here, they're also, that's all they do. They're voracious. They know who's good and who's Unbelievable. not. Unbelievable. And is it, what's the, is it price per view? Um, it'll be a campaign. So we'll launch a product and we'll take on, say, 10 girls and work with them on their content, give them everything they need and let them go crazy. And length of time uh, that you buy an influencer for. Oh, it would just be for the campaign. So we're yeah. very relaxed. So we want them to do them. Seven days, 14 days. Uh, it'll be a launch period, I imagine. So it'll be, okay, the product, and I'm guessing if it'd be the product's coming out. Um, you're guessing, I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'd say, can we do, can we have one um, IG TV on how to use it? Yeah. And can we have three story posts? And can you post within this time frame? That got would it. be a guess of how it would work. So I've got to ask, what's next? We've got a book coming out. Yes. Thinking business-wise. Well, well, books I are business, feel, but, you know. Yeah, no, they feel like fun hmm. more than that. But um, so I, they're selling 110,000. <laughs> <laughs> but they feel so fun to do. They never feel like work, sorry, is what I should have said. And not as go-to. We have a um, bit of a bottleneck in our NPD, which has only increased because of COVID. So we uh, we have a lot of new products coming out next year. We launched a kids and baby range last year. Of course. Yep. We're redoing our men's range. and Men's range? Yeah, bro too. I bought you some. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Well, we realised that men were using the go-to products. So as a piss take for Father's Day, I put it in grey packaging and did all this. <laughs> grey. Thanks for that. Super masculine, <laughs> like chainsaws and sharks and stuff. And I just, I totally took the piss out of men's skincare products because they're always called blizzard. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, ice. And so um, we did that. <laughs> and then it sold so well that we completed the range. But now we feel like, it was a joke, and if you weren't in on the joke, it kind of looks a bit silly now. So we we're relaunching the brand properly to make it, you know, a proper brand. Fantastic, in its own right, as go to for men. It's called Bro Two. Bro Two. We have Grow Two for kids, Bro Two for boys, <laughs> and Grow Two for girls. Fantastic. <laughs> but it's the same product. Yeah, cool. Just with a different fragrance. How unpackaging. real is that? So the fragrance is a little more masculine. It's gorgeous. I, I love it. Yeah, it's like woody and tobacco and leather. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll smell Quick. it. <laughs> I can hardly wait. I will, I'll, I'll take a photo. No, you don't I'll post to it. do that. No, please just enjoy. <laughs> Zoe, yes. I've learned a huge amount today. Can I launch a skincare business? Uh, <laughs> I've always liked the idea of having fashion business. What about that? Are you going to do that? No. You'd never do that? Oh, you're going to Your, your know face you're there, at. there's no way you would ever do that. Know what you're good at? No, 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 no. No. Did I say that clearly enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I have so much more to do in skin. Okay. Is there the motto? Is there the Zoe motto? Internally, in uh, go to it's fewer things better, but just do good work. Make yeah. it count. Or be useful or don't bother. Be useful or don't bother. I really like that. I but thought it, that was it, fantastic. Yeah, well, it's true. And, and every email, do it well. You never know what they'll think about that or who they'll show it to or what it could be. You know, every chance to write, like, oh, sorry, the main pillar I'd go to, I just remembered it's written on the wall, is we have, <laughs> we make things fun that have no right to be. Perfect. Yeah. And beauty was one that didn't have any right to be fun. Fantastic. So, well, it's been huge fun chatting to oh, you. I'm so honoured to be here. Oh, Thanks, Oh, my Russ. God. <laughs> Thanks for being on Brand New World. You're a champ. Super pleasure. Thanks Good luck for having with everything. Brand New World is a Podcast One Australia production. Produced by Dave Zwolenski and Matthew Dwyer. 